minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Shlomo Katz, Boy Vishalom off the Likrat Shabbat CD. Before that, Yosef Karduner, a collection entitled Yearning for Shabbat with Curry Bone. Regesh had Aisha's Chayel, Ben Sion Schenker with Dror Yikra and Yitzaveh. And Regesh and Modani, of course, opening things up as we say good morning. It's Friday on this December the 26th, day four in the month of Teves, the year 5775. Tough Shinai and Hay. Erev Shabbos. Excuse me. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash with candle lighting time at 4.15 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.15 official candle lighting time. I want to thank in advance Randy, who's here Monday, Mark and Leora Zamik, who are here Tuesday, and Mayor Fertig, who's here Wednesday. I'll be back Thursday on Asar Bateves here at JM in the AM. I want to thank those who are uh, heading in this uh, coming week uh, to... Um, uh, present JM in the AM while I am away. 39 degrees outside with 72% humidity. Winds are west at 6 miles per hour. Sunny today with a high temperature of 49. Then tonight, mostly clear, low 35. Tomorrow, sunshine. High shop is 53 degrees. Yushalayim's at 60. We're at 39 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Um, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM in the AM, the one and only Aussie Gourmet. Naomi Nachman is going to be presenting a live program of Table for Two from Gourmet Glot on Spruce Street in Cedarhurst. Now, I emphasize this today. Uh, Naomi does a lot of great shows and does a lot of great live programs. Uh, but it's not always possible for people to get there and be there and participate in the free samples and the giveaways and the demonstrations, etc., etc. Today, because so many people are off from work, might present a unique opportunity for everybody to uh, go and enjoy and see Naomi live and in person. So it's 9 o'clock until 10.30 this morning at Gourmet Glot in Cedarhurst on Spruce Street. Go and enjoy, have a great time, and uh, send our regards. Uh, coming up, Malcolm Honeline weekly update. That'll be at 7.40 this morning. Malcolm Honeline with the weekly update at 7.40 this morning here at JMM. Rabbi Yudin, of course, We'll check in, and uh, that'll be about the Parshas Vayigash and plenty more happening on a Friday here at JM in the AM.
to participate tonight. It's a momentous occasion when two legends of Jewish music grace the stage together. And I made sure to, uh, to say that if I did come, that I'd get a chance to sing with them. So ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming, welcoming Mordechai and David and Avram Friedback to the stage. 
Pasuk in Mishle says, Kabed es Hashem mehaincha. Honor Hashem with your wealth, with your money. But Chazal understand these words of Shleimah HaMelech to mean much more than giving tzedakah. They darshin mehaincha to mean me'asher chonancha Hashem. Whatever talents Hashem has bestowed upon you, use those talents to honor Him. These two performers are living examples of this Chazal. They've been blessed with wonderful voices, of course, but it's what they've chosen to do for HaKadosh Baruch Hu with that gift that sets them apart. Musically, their careers have covered an astonishing range of styles. Contemporary Hasidic, Sephardic, English, Yiddish, and Ivrit, and of course, traditional Hasidic. They have been the instrument through which we have learned some of the most beautiful Hasidic nigunim of, of great Rebbes. Here is one unforgettable example. a few. They are also wonderful composers in their own right and possess a great feel for which material to showcase on their albums. Who can forget this rousing niggin of Rebarv Chait that helped to make Avram Fried a household name? Was given to me, introduced to me, 
by our good friend Shia Mendelowitz. Thank you, Shia. But it has never been just about music. Through it all, the common denominator was to endeavor to bring Yidin closer to Hashem, strengthening their amuna and the ultimate geula, or simply to be misameach those who needed to be uplifted. I remember back in the 70s attending a Kiruv seminar in California with teenagers who knew little of Yiddishkeit. Yet at a kumzitz on Matzah Shabbos, Yet at a kumzitz on Matzah Shabbos, they were all singing together with great intensity this MBD classic. Continued throughout his career with songs like Just One Shabbos and In Ivrit of Charlotte Takane, just to mention a few. And of course, how many of his Nagunim have reached in within our community and our ranks to uplift and remind us all that we are Maminim B'nai Maminim. By the way, I must say, Abi, you know, you have a pretty good record yourself. <laughs> You've written dozens and dozens and dozens of songs. Just a little This was the point. <laughs> Reviving and repopularizing the brilliant music of Chabad Hasidus and the inspiring lyrics of Rabbi Yom Tov Erlach. 
are just some of the projects Avramo has taken upon himself over the years. And these projects were never about CD sales. They were, have been labors of love to bring chizuk and inspiration to Klal Yisrael. To infuse us all with the strength, the kayak, to be better yet. And they, they have both been such wonderful proponents of the obligation upon us all to be Metzapheli Yeshua. Reminding us that someday we will all be together and that Yerushalayim is Oira Shel Oilam. Through their songs we conjure up for ourselves that there is no place in the world as beautiful as Yerushalayim Er HaKadosh. Avi, if I may, speaking about Yerushalayim, friends, Avi has some great songs about Yerushalayim. Some amazing songs about Yerushalayim. One of my favorites, one of my favorites is... Ich mich 
Amazing A.B. Rottenberg tribute, as it's called, from Hask 28, here at JM in the AM. Before that, you heard the uh, Simcha Liner, Birchas Habanim. Teis Shalom from the Nochi Kron Band, Baruch Levine had Shei Bana and Schlockrock with a Shabbat in Liverpool with Keladon. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Vayigash, candlelighting at 4.15. My name is Nachum Siegel, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listen is sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting from our beautiful studios, the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, and heard around the world at JM and the AM dot org. in the background. Our news from Israel coming up. Naomi Nachman is live, both on our stream at jmnam.org and on video at nachumsegel.com starting at 9 a.m. this morning from Gourmet Glot, Spruce Street in Cedarhurst. She's there today with great demonstrations, a whole host of fantastic guests, free sample giveaways and more. Make sure to head to Gourmet Glot 9 o'clock this morning. Naomi Nachman, the Aussie Gourmet, will be there live until 10.30, and you can certainly hear it and watch it around the world on our websites, um, and I hope you will. Candlelighting at 4.15, 39 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 49. Uh, I want to thank Randy, who will be here Monday, Mark and Leora, who will be here Tuesday, and Mayor Fertig, who will be here Wednesday. I will be back Thursday on a Sarabateves New Year's Day here at JM in the AM. Great weekend programming. Don't forget, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night at 10. Matis with JM Sunday this coming Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. Boker Tov from JM and the AM. Galitzal, Ashtayim, Khan Shibel Karmi Mansur, Imashekoreachshav. תקרית ירי סמוך לגדר המערכת בגבול רצועת עזה, כתבנו רמי שני. פלסטיני שחצה את גדר המערכת בגבול עם רצועת עזה, נורא ונפצע בצהריים במהלך נועל מעצר חשוד, שביצעו לעברו חיילי תקוח צהל המוצבים סמוך למקום החצייה. אדם נוסף שהיה עם המסתנן שב לרצועה, הפצוע הועבר תחת שמירה לטיפול רפואי, ובהמשך יילקח לחקירת גורמי הביטחון. מוקדם יותר נשמעה אזעקת שווא ביישובי המועצה האזורית חוף אשקלון. בפיקוד העורף אומרים כי ככל הנראה מדובר בירי נשק קל בתוך הרצועה שנקלט במערכת האיכון. בסוף השבוע שעבר נורתה רקטה לעבר מערב הנגב, ובאמצע השבוע נורתה אש לעבר כוחות צה"ל, ממנה נפצע חייל שמאושפז עדיין במצב קשה בבית החולים סורוקה בבאר שבע. אתמול הותר לפרסום כי מערכות כיפת ברזל נפרסו במערב הנגב. הפיגוע בשומרון, שר הביטחון משה בוגי יעלון אמר לאימה של איילה בת ה-11 שנפצעה קשה בפיגוע שככל הנראה נתפסו המחבלים שזרקו את בקבוק התבערה לעבר הרכב שבו נסעה. כתבתנו יערה שפירא שמעה אותה. שר הביטחון אמר שככל הנראה עצרו את המבצעים של הפיגוע הספציפי הזה. זה כמובן לא באמת מספיק, כי אנחנו כולנו יודעים שלא מדובר פה באיזה ילד שובב שזרק בקבוק תבערה להנאתו, אלא במלחמה כוללת. אז לעצור את זה זה נחמד, מחר יבוא מישהו אחר במקומו. 
בצל הפיגוע הבוקר בירושלים, שבו נפצעו שני שוטרים קל, נערכו היום תפילות יום השישי בהר הבית ללא אירועים חריגים. המשטרה מחפשת עדיין אחר חשוד בדקירה שאירעה בשעות הבוקר בעיר העתיקה. כתבנו יותם ברגר מוסר שצו איסור פרסום הוטל על כל פרטי החקירה. בתוך חמישה ימים תקרית ירי שלישית המכוונת למטרות יהודיות בפריז, כתבתנו עפרי אשל. במהלך הלילה נורו יריות לעבר בית דפוס בבעלות יהודית ברובע התשעה עשר בפריז. המשטרה שהגיעה לזירה בוחנת כעת את מצלמות הרחוב. מהערכה ראשונית עולה כי היריב בוצע מרובה אוויר, בדומה לירי השבוע לעבר בית כנסת ברחוב דיז'ון ולעבר מסעדה כשרה. שניהם ממוקמים קרוב לבית הדפוס ברובע התשעה עשר. מזג האוויר בהיר עם ירידה בטמפרטורות במישור החוף והשפלה, בהרים הטמפרטורות יוסיפו להיות גבוהות מהרגיל בעונה. אלה החדשות שעורכת טל יחזקאלי בצוות אדר קרפיול ואבי כהן.
Eitan Katz with Lachad Odi. You heard Sermi Shalo from the great Ben Sion Schenker. Yaakov Shweki and Kamu. Chazan Yanki Lemmer Yismach Moshe from the CD entitled It Is Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast. Thanks for joining us on this December the 26th, day four in the month of Teves. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash. Reminder, RTMA, the Rabbi Tites Masifta Academy has their Blood Drive coming up on the 30th, that's Tuesday, the 30th of um, December. This coming Tuesday at RTMA in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Got a great call from uh, Mrs. Nettie Plofker. Um, this coming Sunday, Rabbi Shmuel Plofker, her wonderful husband, is being honored by the Hebrew Free Burial Association at a community breakfast happening at the Young Israel of Staten Island. It begins this coming uh, Sunday morning at 9.30. Mazal Tov from... Uh, from all of us here at JM in the AM and from uh, Mrs. Plofker, Nettie, to Rabbi Shmuel Plofker and his amazing, uh, incredible work for the Hebrew Free Burial Association 
Congratulations on being recognized this coming weekend. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash with candle lighting at 4.15. My thanks to Randy and Mark and Leora and Mayor Furtick for sitting in during my uh, vacation next week. I'll be back Thursday on Asar Bateves, the 1st of uh, 2015. Mazal going out to a Shari and Ranon man and the entire man family. Um, Yoni man's bar mitzvah happens this coming Shabbos. And from uh, Miriam and Stephen and all the kids, all the cousins, and of course all of us here at JM and AM, we say Mazal Tov, the man family celebrating a bar mitzvah, Yoni's bar mitzvah this coming Shabbos. Mazal Tov going out to Aliza and Avi Lauer and the entire extended Lauer and Gefner families, Jennifer and Josh. They are getting married this weekend, Jennifer Lauer and Josh Gefner. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. A lot of great things happening, thank God. 25 minutes after 7 o'clock, it's JM and the AM on this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline, 15 minutes away with the weekly update. Don't forget, Naomi Nachman is live and in person at Gourmet Glot this morning, starting at 9 a.m. Where's the official announcement? Let me get you the official announcement. Uh, Naomi with uh, a live webcast of Table for Two, 9 o'clock this morning. On Spruce Street in Cedarhurst at Gourmet Glot, special guests include Jay Booksbaum of Kedem, Malky Hirsch of Kiss the Kosher Cook, Nate Kruman of Burning Bush Hot Sauce, Seth Levitt of Abel's and Hyman, a uh, cooking demonstration with Kid Chef Eitan Bernath, who was on uh, Chopped and on the Chabad Telethon. There'll be food and wine tastings, a cooking demo, food sample giveaways, and more. It all happens 9 o'clock this morning. I emphasize it because a lot of people are off today. So if you have time, head on over and enjoy. Naomi's show is always incredible, always a lot of fun, and uh, you get an opportunity to see it live and in person, get the uh, samples, etc. at Gourmet Lot, Spruce Street, Cedarhurst, this morning between 9 and 10.30 a.m. This is JM in the AM, brand new from Benny Friedman.
let me pray, let me pray, just one prayer. Hashem, let me sing just one song. Hashem, let me live till the great morning comes, when the whole world will sing just one song Green, brand new from the Barcheni CD. That is great. Brilliant. Barcheni CD, brand new from Yehuda Green, and that is the uh, Anava Koach selection here at JM and the AM. Before that, Benny Friedman, brand new with Bum Bum, off of the collection entitled With All My Soul. Eitan Katz in there with Lachad Dodi. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayigash. Candle lighting at 4.15 later today. 4.15 is candle lighting. 39 degrees, sunshine. High temperature of 49, clear skies tonight, low 35, sunny for tomorrow, high shop is 53 degrees. Yushalayim's at 60, we're at 39 here in Jersey City as we say good morning. At JM in the AM. And uh, we're about five minutes away from our weekly update. Malcolm Holmline will join us, we'll discuss the events of this week and all the news that... Uh, is coming out of Israel and the Jewish world. That's coming up in the weekly update, coming up next right here at JM in the AM.
Shall I love him? He 
Jam in the AM. Koach, uh, done by the Adidim Choir. Uh, brand new here, a single they released uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas, Vayigash, candle lighting at 4.15. I want to thank uh, Randy and Mark and Leora and uh, Mayor Fertig in advance. They'll be here sitting in Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. I'm back on New Year's Day on a Sarabateves. Uh, next week here at JM and the AM, so I thank them in advance. Reminder, Naomi Nachman comes up right after JM and the AM, and today she's live at Gourmet Glot on Spruce Street in Cedarhurst. You can watch it at NachumSiegel.com. You can hear it on jmtheam.org, and you can be there live and participate in the food and wine tastings, the cooking demo, the food sample giveaways, etc. Jay Booksbaum of Kedem, Malky Hirsch of Kiss the Kosher Cook, Nate Kruman of Burning Bush Hot Sauce, Seth Levitt of Abels and Hyman, they're all going to be there today. And Eitan Bernath, the kid chef from Chopped, is going to be there doing a cooking demonstration as well. He was at the Chabad Telethon with us, and he is an unbelievable performer. So you'll, I think is I think he's just under bar mitzvah. You'll be shocked at the way this kid presents. Anyway, that's all happening at 9 o'clock this morning on the stream and uh, on our website with the video, and, of course, live at Gourmet Glot in Cedarhurst, Eshekoch, to Naomi. Candle lighting at 4.15 on this era of Shabbos with 39 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 49. Right now, 60 in Yerushalayim, 39 here in Jersey City, as we say good morning at JM and the AM. want to again wish a mazel tov to Yoni Mann and to Sherry and Renon Mann of Vatinek, New Jersey, the big bar mitzvah coming up this Shabbos. Mazel tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Also, Mazel Tov to Aliza and Avi Lauer. Jennifer is uh, getting married to Josh Geffner this coming Sunday. And we say Mazel Tov to the extended Lauer and Geffner families from all of us here at JM and the AM. Reminder that our friends at JewishWorldReview.com continue to post thousands of amazing articles about what's happening in this crazy world of ours. You can uh, print out a bunch of them before Shabbos if you wish or read them online whenever you want. Uh, go to jewishworldview.com and we thank them for enthusiastically recommending our live stream on a constant basis to their hundreds of thousands of readers. Uh, and we thank them for that. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday at this time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, good morning to you. Good Arab Shabbos to everyone. Thank you for that. Um, I am, uh, Impressed and really, um, uh, really happy with the way that our community in general, there are exceptions, which we don't have to discuss this morning, but the way our community in general has reacted to the uh, situation in New York City and beyond, uh, regarding the attitude toward, uh, uh, toward police officers. And I'm sure you would love to, uh, uh, you as well, uh, would love to commend those who, especially those who are noticeably Jewish, and some of them very noticeably Jewish, who've gone out of their way to participate in vigils, to express support for New York City cops and cops in general, police officers, I should say, in general. I think our community has done very well in that area. I think uh, that's correct. And our community generally, uh, I think, has a good relationship with the police. There are always exceptions and incidents that occur, as you would have in any population. But the community recognizes the importance of the police and the importance of police community cooperation because both benefit from it we created scan the secure community network to complement the police and they are so helpful and so cooperative in enabling us to reach out to schools institutions and others to to benefit 
the security situations across the board. And, and you notice every Arab Rosh Hashanah and other Hagim, other holidays, when you have the special police presence there to protect synagogues, to deter any kind of incident, or just to help facilitate the flow of traffic. I mean, these are really uh, remarkable things that too often we take for granted. And when a terrible thing occurs, like occurred here in New York last week, it makes people remember that the you know that these people put their lives on the line, and uh, you know all the critics can can have their day, but I think the dem- demonstrations now are in very poor taste and ill-advised. And do you it's see, by the way, and, and it may not be fair of me to use you as a sounding board for this comment, but I'll give it a shot. Did you see some of the videos, the way some people behave toward the police? Who they're marching by and the language they use and the and the almost violent behavior they use. I'm talking about the ones who aren't arrested and carted away. It's just outrageous. Well, I saw it myself. Uh, I was coming home from the, the ABC studio on th- on Thursday night last, and I saw the actions taken by some people on the sidewalks as they uh, were, there were some people were arrested, and it was it was horrific. And the restraint demonstrated by the police. Oh. Truly remarkable, and I saw the demonstration on Wednesday night. I think it, along Madison Avenue, etc., and and blocking traffic. And the police, uh, a tremendous phalanx of police, and they just moved coolly along. The signs were some of them were really outrageous, and one of the uh, a couple of the signs said, "From Gaza to Brooklyn, resistance is legitimate." Uh. And this is true in Missouri. We've seen how. Uh, some of the pro-Palestinian Arab groups have taken advantage of these situations, and we know that some money has come in for them to demonstrate and to to try to exploit uh, these very tense situations. I think it's really horrific, but a, a warning. Um, yeah, a warning is right. We keep getting a lot of these warnings. I wish we'd heed some of the warnings. Um, comment on the NSN app specifically for you, and I thought it's a good place to start. Does the Prime Minister of Israel now regret going to elections? <laughs> he ain't going to tell us if he does, but uh, I certainly think he has some second thoughts. The people of Israel you know, were wise enough to say right away that they were opposed to it. They didn't see the need for it. Right. They don't expect a, bigger, a different outcome. That may not be the case right now, but it's still a long time off, and uh, you know, people... They've had Netanyahu for a long time, so there's this mood of uh, anybody but Bibi, the feeling that many in, in Israel have not seen the benefits of the economic uh, uh, conditions of the country, supposedly so good, and yet you have, according to the latest polls, a million and a half people below the poverty letter, level, or studies rather, uh, below the poverty level that are half a million children, uh, may even be food deprived, and certainly uh, in difficult circumstances. So those things really make a difference in the, the general mood um, also. And we shouldn't exaggerate it. People Israelis right. still rank amongst the happiest people, et cetera, et cetera, and their quality of life is far better than the vast majority of countries in the world, even rivaling European countries. But there's no doubt that there's maybe some fatigue and some you know, people saying maybe we need something different. They just don't know who's different. The latest polls I understand show that labor would get 25, and I think BB 23. Also depends on who's going to be running, what order, what kind of uh, coalitions. All these investigations now that have been launched, which always seem to come just as elections uh, 
uh, are uh, in in full swing. Yeah, and we know this one other thing that often happens before elections, unfortunately, and that's some of the things we saw this week in terms of attacks and rockets, etc., which we'll talk about, and that could also sway things. By the way, Michael Oren is running. He appears that way. Yeah, it appears he is running. And, and by the way, yeah, correct with Cachlone and. And, you know, just on the uh, analyzing the election, it, it seems from Sippy Livni's approach, especially with the way she speaks about Mahmoud Abbas and the whole peace process, she might be running on the platform of I'm the only one who can achieve peace. And I don't know if that's the best strategy for these days. Do you think that's the direction she's going in as she makes these public statements? Well, I think if you, there are a couple of answers to this one. I don't know that that, that is a the uh, decision that she's made, but she certainly has always uh, tried to take that uh, position, uh, even when she was in the government. And she's uh, she's trying to separate herself from the others. That's the only thing I think she has that that would enable her to do that. Mm. Um, but notice how she's had major defections in the last forty-eight hours. Uh, with Mitzna and um, and others, uh, uh, Eliezer Stern, uh, who are members of her party, are, have all left. Mayor Shitrit, or some of the real veterans of Israeli politics, have quit, quit the party and quit the race. Uh, they may join another party another, uh, later on, but uh, I, I would indicate it would indicate certainly some sense on their part. Uh, about uh, where the election is going. Right. Um, all right, in terms of what happened this week, so first of all, 11-year-old Ayala, and I'm assuming most of the audience has heard about this horrific episode, uh, obviously, you know, hanging on for dear life in terms of her medical situation. Um, what I, I, I feel silly asking the question in terms of what could Israel do because all we're looking for, and I'm sure all the citizens of Yudan Shamron are looking for, is a little more protection and security from incidents like this. What could you tell us about this specific episode? Well, the episode itself is still under investigation. It was a firebombing. The, uh, but, the, you know, last night two policemen were stabbed in, in Yerushalayim in the old city. Right. The uh, This is a new tactic on the part of ISIS. This is not just haphazard. If you look at their some of their websites, some of the things that they are putting out, in uh, they, they, they cite car dri- uh, driving cars into crowds, stabbings, uh, beheadings, of course, as as core methods that they are recommending and that they're urging, and they're doing it in other places as well. Uh, thank God we haven't had suicide bombings, but they they're doing that. Uh, we see it. All over. Look in Europe. How many incidents there are in Europe? Uh, massive arrest. Germany arrested 300 people for association with the IS, and you have um, uh, demonstrations by 15,000 people in Germany against uh, against the, uh, the Islamization. They call it of, of Germany, but it's because of often of the security situation in Austria. They closed the Saudi school. This is happening all over France conducted raids in 12 different places, Toulouse, Normandy, Paris. But when you give credit to IS for the firebombing, you're, you're including you know, Hezbollah, Hamas, and everybody else. I mean, I, I'm not saying that IS itself was involved with it. What I'm right. saying is that they set the tone often. Look, the beheadings are, to them, core strategy. They, they adopted this and then found out how impactful it is. So it has been replicated by Hezbollah by Hamas, in the Sinai, in Yemen, in Iraq, in Lebanon. It's not carried out by them, but it set the tone, and people see, these terrorist organizations see that they can recruit, that they can have an an impact, and they are 
uh, gearing up now, they say, uh, to a, uh, a much broader uh, campaign. They have, what, twenty to 30,000 people who have come from 90 countries. They can openly kill 150 women in Fallujah. They can do a terrible thing. I mean, unspeakable travesties. And, you know, we speak to the Azidis, whom I've spoken about before, but now the women who got out because of the action, uh, combined U.S. bombing, uh, ally bombing, and then the Peshmerga, the, uh, Peshmerga, the Kurdish troops, went in and, and created an exit route where the women came out. And the uh, people came out who had been literally starving without weapons and no support from outside. And yet, they, the women tell the horrific stories, and the press hardly gives it a, men, a, a mention. And I know people who are there now on the ground, and, and they can't even write it. They can't even describe it. It's so horrific what, what they're being told uh, is being done to, to, to people. And, and yet... It, you know, they, 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 they diverted water from a major area in the Bildez in Iraq where 150,000 people live, and they are they're trying to, you know, to starve them to death. And, and I mean, they just, there's no limit. There's nothing that they they won't do. And, and as long as the West and the world allows it, it's silent about it, devotes its Human Rights Council meetings and the, the Geneva Convention founders' meetings to Israel, not to the horrific acts that are really going on, you reward them. You keep encouraging them to just do more of it. Yeah. There was, um, I'm trying to remember, there was a, a strike on ISIS this week. Was it a Syrian strike, if I'm not mistaken? Saudi Arabia? I don't I don't remember. The reason I'm asking is because I'm wondering about the effectiveness of this. You know, we always talk about terrorism, having an address, knowing where to strike, etc. Does, does that type of, of attack deter them at all? Does it make a dent in their whole system? Well, they estimate, the Allies estimate that they've killed, I think, 1,200 of them in the, in the strikes. The, uh, it does make a dent, but the problem is that for some reason it doesn't stop them. It, not even in Kobani, have, which has been under attack now for months, has it really uh, had an effect. And their recruitment goes on. Their appeal to, to groups, they now that, you know, they've appealed for doctors, lawyers, professionals of all kinds, and whole families are moving to the caliphate. People from Lebanon elsewhere were interviewed that they, they moved, and, and they're doing much more online recruiting. They're doing other things, which doesn't indicate an impact, although we hear that there are internal rivalries. We hear that, that, that sometimes the bombings have, have hit you know, uh, weapons depots, other things, which obviously makes a difference. We should have done it much earlier. We should do it more, uh, more broadly. Um, and uh, you can't. We can't measure from the outside the impact that it has when they kill some of the key leadership, as they did in one of the strikes. You saw that a Jordanian piloted uh, plane that was in the uh, coalition forces, the Allied forces, uh, was sh- shot down. They claim. The, What's the fate of that pilot? Well, he was captured by IS, and his father has appealed to them to to use Muslim hospitality to to take care of him and not to hurt him. He was. He, he obviously came out of it. Alive, so they can't claim he was dead then. Right. But the, and they, because they, they they paraded him, and they showed pictures with him. The plane crashed, according to Western sources, not because it was shot down, although they do have the capacity, which shows there are five missiles to do so, but I guess because of some mechanical problems. 
Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Special welcome to those tuned in on the NSN app around the world. Much appreciated. You can comment as we go along on the home screen of that app. You know, I think this question might might help us understand the broader picture. You know, when you look up, and I think this research on my part is accurate, when you look up those who support ISIS, a country like uh, Qatar is on the list. If you look at the co- the list of the coalition who's trying to fight ISIS, the country of Qatar is on the list. Does that, does that make sense? In the Middle East, everything makes sense. <laughs> How do you explain the it? Arabs call Qatar a country built on a television station. Qatar is also trying to reach out. With Egypt, you know, they closed down Al Jazeera's Egypt operation after the government protested and for their criticism of the government. Also, the Egyptian government arrested a number of Al Jazeera correspondents who may be released because of this. But Qatar is playing it on both sides. They are challenging Saudi Arabia, the UAE, for you know a primary role in the Middle East. They have the um, unique gift of, uh, of uh, tremendous wealth, uh, small country, small population, huge amount of money, and they spend it. They, they, they are the primary supporters of Hamas. They're the primary supporters of other terrorist operations. They uh, do play sometimes both sides. Is there any other country that, in theory, would be on both lists, or this is really the exception? No, there's certainly the exception, and the um, I, I, and it doesn't mean necessarily that, that they give. You know, the pledges to the PA, remember the big donors meeting uh-huh. at $4.5 billion pledged? Sure. Nachum, guess how much has been paid? <laughs> Zero. $100 million <laughs> out of $4.5 billion. Well, maybe it was $100 million a year for, you know, for, for 100 years. years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We don't know. Yeah, what well, they think it's a shul appeal. <laughs> you don't know what the <laughs> pledge arrangement was. <laughs> you know, it's about the same ratio, probably. More, but the... Uh, but the fact is that they, they, you know, they, they all are trying to manipulate the situation to their to their benefit, and this is something IS can take advantage of. But the the concerns, you know, the United States is supposedly gearing up to a new campaign and shipping weapons from Afghanistan to Kuwait to um, to go into Iraq and try to take back the Anbar province, which everybody will remember from the previous wars, but which ISIS has essentially uh, taken over. And uh, and ISIS announced its new strategy, which is to target Saudi Arabia. Uh, the Arabs, the Gulf states have always excluded Qatar. Recently, they allowed them to come, although they didn't talk to them and they weren't very friendly with them. Um, but they are now targeting Arab states and to take uh, territory. They advise their people to take territory using... Um, uh, terror and and other means and the means that I, I discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. So you still have countries pitted against each other. They're all looking to to finesse their new role. Qatar in making these uh, this outreach to Egypt, it's clearly a reflection a that they want to be a player and b that the, they recognize that their isolation will hurt them. Um, and I, we, we mentioned last Friday about a rocket from Gaza. We know that this week an IDF soldier was wounded by Gaza snipers. Uh, have there been other rockets this week? And why do I read about you know Iron Dome deploying again? Can't I assume that Iron Dome is always manned and at the ready because Israel never has a clue when the next you know missile is coming? Well, first of all, there are several batteries of Iron Dome. This one, the one you're talking about, was in the Beersheba area. 
and uh, it was deployed there, meaning put on the ready. They they do not stand all the time. It's expensive to maintain them, uh, so they are uh, they're there, but they're not necessarily deployed, meaning ready for use. The um, and and by the way, David Sling, which will be able to attack missiles in, from their launch sites and over enemy territories, uh, is has made the tremendous advances, and they expect it to be operable by 2016. I think they, is the, how the to early 2016. Which means that if there's a launching pad with a rocket or missile on it? So it w- won't hit it on the launching pad. It will hit it. Um, you know, it all goes by the trajectory and the arc of the missile's fires, and it's very technological, I guess. can imagine. But, the, but the, uh, this one is meant, uh, as we know, that uh, Iron Dome takes it out over Israel. Right. This would hit it. Uh, much closer to the place where it originates. That's where the shrapnel would go. And that's where so they get a big use the metal business, but scrap metal. But unbelievable, I, I, unbelievable. Is this? Don't, the, don't ask to explain it because I haven't got. It. Is this the same company, individuals, geniuses, inventors that are responsible for Iron Dome? Some, and you have parallel operations. Also, people working on this and other means. You saw how Israel has now way ex- expanded largely its use of uh, unmanned naval vehicles along its coast. And uh, it's something we should recommend to other countries. Some are buying it from Israel. But you see the, the Iranian Navy this week announced, that the commander of the Navy, that they can go to the Indian Ocean, they can go into U.S. waters, that they have a chokehold on the U.S. and the Persian Gulf, something we've talked about for a long time here. But Again, doesn't get much attention. You, you, you know the obvious question now. The obvious question is: Are we getting to a time where, you know, when, when nuclear warheads are attached to missiles, they're going to be able to, to be taken out, you know, over the territory of the attacking country? Which is exactly why we are opposing any capacity in a part of Iran to build nuclear weapons to to enrich uranium, because that's exactly the outcome. And many of these unmanned vehicles, including some of the unmanned planes are capable of carrying bombs, and there's no reason why they can't be outfitted with the... Oh, I agree with... Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I was saying the opposite, that now, if Israel's proving that it can, uh, you know, that it can go ahead and and take out a missile over the, you know, over enemy territory, so to speak, as you just described, would this give Israel and other freedom-loving countries the ability to do the same with, I don't know, nuclear warheads that are ready to be, uh, ready to be shot? Uh, I don't know whether a nuclear warhead can be affixed to everything. I, I don't think so, but it's certainly a possibility. Wow. Unbelievable. But and, and by the way, and you see the public announcements by Hamas, how Tehran is upgrading their weapons, Hezbollah, how Iran is upgrading their weapons, which is why Israel, what we discussed last week, took out the place in Syria, but it was the eighth time that they took out places this year, sites this year, where... Uh, weapons are stored because they're looking at new, new and different routes all the time to um, to get the weapons in. But people, again, I tell you that that people just have to read, have to see what they say. They tell the truth. They're telling us what their intentions are. They t- talk about taking over the West. The U.S. They, uh, the ISIS spokesman this week said it's not a question of when we uh, of if we take over Europe. It's only a question of when we take over Europe. Why doesn't anybody listen to that? And they talk about ca- uh, uh, conquering it and establishing the caliphate there, and that, and and they say uh, it w- will not be in a nice way. We will use beheadings and slavery, and those who don't convert 
will be slaves and dimmies. And, uh, you know, when they expel 130,000 Christians, as we learned now from Mosul, uh, and all these actions, and it gets no, no counterpart measures on the part of others. You know, the Europeans now are, are panicking in, in terms of the response. I cited some, uh, and, you know, the statistics came out in the last week, the last couple of days, showing that Marseille, which is the second largest city in France, has 30 to 40 percent Muslim population, and a new mosque for 14,000 people being built in Barcelona, in Brussels, in Salt, in uh, Bavaria, has 33,000 um, asylum seekers coming from, from the Arab countries. The United States took in, uh, I don't want to say exactly, I think it was 20,000 from Iraq, 7,000 from Somalia, 10,000 refugees from Syria. I'm not saying we shouldn't take the refugees. I'm not saying, but, but you see the massive movements of population. But when cities like Brussels are at 30% Muslim population and Barcelona and Salt and the others that I mentioned, Rotterdam, Amsterdam, all the 25% plus Muslim populations, you reach what they call the tipping point, and we see the out-migration of others, which only exaggerates further the demographic imbalances. So don't look for nuclear weapons. As I said here for years, what I was told by a Muslim leader, our nuclear weapon is demographics. Yeah. What did you hear about the um, about the shooting at the Paris synagogue? What was What was this episode all about? Well, it's not one. They also shot at a restaurant, and we were waiting to see what uh, what happens. But you know, everybody keeps saying isolated incident. I, I have been I'm obviously in touch with the French Jewish community. The police there have done a good job. They're very satisfied with the police. The government reaction has been strong. Balls, the prime minister, who who is married to to somebody of Jewish descent, and others have been very strong in the condemnations. That's why I was citing these other numbers and and giving you the reactions and the facts on the ground, because it's not something that the government can just, you know, issue an edict and somehow cure. It's not the way it will happen. And I would hope that Muslim leaders, especially Muslim religious leaders, will play more of a role, not to exacerbate tensions, as they too often do, but to, uh, to try and contain it and try to recognize. And the problem was that European countries didn't early on take the steps necessary to, to try and... Uh, integrate the populations. You know, in Saudi Arabia, 92% of the people in a poll approve ISIS's ways. So they have support in, in the Arab world for what they're doing and for uh, challenging the West. And, and even with this horrific, unspeakable behavior and tactics on their part. I don't know how freedom-loving, peaceful people could even... <laughs> And I don't know. I don't know how they could go ahead and. Exactly. It's just so absurd. A backwards world. Um, then, of course, you know, people listening to this program are probably wondering how on earth people stay in places like Paris, etc. Especially the way you just described it, and this attack that happened this week, and the restaurant attack that you just mentioned. And uh, you know, again, as we always point out, that's human nature, and uh, can can always get people to do what's logical. Especially when it means you do have out migration, right? And, and and the truth is, when you when you think about it in the context of Jewish history, the percentages from France are relatively high. I think in a situation like this, right? I think it's a it's been a steady outflow that that is increasing, and it's immensely true amongst young people, which is the key to the future. And uh, and it's not just Jewish young people. I'm talking about people of all religions and uh, who cannot. Tolerate, and even Muslims who don't want to live under in these circumstances in, in neighborhoods where they cannot 
you know, live freely and dress as they want, behave as they want. Right. Uh, the remains of 22 Israeli soldiers are still in Egypt. So a delegation went this week, and I didn't realize that this happens on a semi-regular basis, on a somewhat regular basis, I should say. Um, they do what? They go and negotiate with Egyptian authorities about trying to find the remains of these soldiers from past wars? How does it work? Well, there have been teams that have gone in and actually located, taken out uh, remains. Uh, there have been exchanges, there have been other things uh, 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 over the years. Uh, but I, I don't know what this group particularly did, but most cases they, they have had some joint operations to look for the remains uh, of the, the soldiers and to try to bring them back. Includes people who fell in the Yom Kippur War, Six-Day War, etc. I mean, it goes way back, not just, we're not talking about recent episodes. I don't, I don't know, I, 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 I would... I don't know what other countries would do. I just like pointing out when Israel 40 years later is not forgetting about those who fell. And you know what I mean. So Exactly. No soldier left behind. The, soldier, the, uh, the um, attack in Yerushalayim this week with the cinder block through the windshield, and we read a lot about it, and a lot of people knew uh, the people, I know the people, who were subject to the attack. So the, the, the question is what the police response was. And it's funny that we opened this conversation with, you know, police activity here in New York and other areas and the way this country is focusing on it right now. Uh, in Jerusalem, is there the same type of hesitation to get involved as a police officer in the aftermath of an attack like that? Well, if you look at all the uh, human rights reports, the attacks on soldiers, the publishing of names, the uh, threats of uh, war crimes charges, of course, there's a hesitancy on the part of the police. Uh, they are under orders, you know, to I think to be careful in their responses. But when there's a life-threatening situation, there they have to do what they have to do. And uh, I mean, I am critical in some respects, and uh, my friends on the International Committee for Higher Education about the failure to take sufficient action. There is much more being done now, and it is better, much better in fact, and there's plans to build a police station and expand the, the presence there. It hasn't happened, I think, in the way that it should, because this is exactly how you end up dividing Yerushalayim if people are afraid to go there, which is what they want. They want to try to right. force, enforce by terrorism and by crime uh, the division. And the uh, these two border guards who were stabbed in the old city were... Uh, is again a proof of this. It's it's an ongoing um, effort to a drive Jews out and to establish their presence and to attack where they can. Yeah. Uh, let's hope they're not successful. They're not going to be successful. The um, you mentioned earlier, and I'm sorry for bouncing around, but you mentioned earlier about a possible prisoner exchange when it comes to this Jordanian pilot with ISIS. So, excuse my fascination with the with the leadership or the address of ISIS, but who negotiates for them when it when it's uh, you know now time to try to release some of their prisoners? Who is there? Have they declared a uh, a leader, a representative? Well, they do have heads, but and, and the one who declared himself head of the caliphate, others, and there the, the, are those that dispute it. So it, it, the leadership is not that tight, although they, and again, they, they uh, as is customary in all these countries, you have militias which associate with them, but are not really in a, it's not a, a arrangement like a normal army where you have a central headquarters and then divisions. Uh, but there is increasing coordination. I saw that the Syrian rebels now are, are increasingly joining with ISIS, and mostly for financial reasons, because the guys don't get paid, so they go where they, they can. The ISIS pays them as much as $150 a 
a day when when uh, they earn 140 a month from uh, the Syrian forces, <coughs> and but ISIS has not become an Islamic state. I, I described before how the transition to mm-hmm. coming from ISIL to ISIS to ICE right. to IS, but they don't need it. I think it's a mistake when when people analyze the situation and they they don't see it as. Um, uh, you know, the, in the orderly fashion that one would normally... Uh, Correct. Up. It's frustrating. <laughs> well, of course it's frustrating, but but look at the progress that they've made and how you have these recruitment all over Europe, all over the world, and the West is weak. It falls in front of them, so they, they just keep moving. And I said before, they don't recognize boundaries. Right, but if George, they, they see everything as an opportunity. Right, and I know it sounds, I know it sounds like an Abbott and Costello routine. But if Jordan wants to go ahead and negotiate the release of that pilot, who do they call? They know who because the pictures of the guys who who uh, um, taught them were were made public, and there are, is ISIS leadership in uh, Syria. So there's an avenue of communication. So this is the first time that you've had this kind right. Of that's camper, true. So. You know, you know that, that that's what was so. That was, there are going to be talks in Moscow, supposedly next month or in February, uh, uh, after January twentieth, sometime. I think it probably be in February. So you have representatives of the, the the domestic and the foreign oppositions, as well as the Syrian government, supposedly, which will again promote uh, Putin's image, right? Uh, despite the terrible internal situation exists in the country. I think that's what was so shocking about the photos coming out of that incident with the Jordanian pilot, is that we expected that he'd be murdered on the spot, you know, in some big, uh, you know, show, so to speak. And maybe maybe that shows us something about, I don't know, you know, if it was an American citizen, he probably would have been. So maybe it shows us something about uh, being a Jordanian citizen that they... Well, they wanted to be able to parade him because they wanted to show what they accomplished. I know, but they don't do much parading. Even the even the American kidnapped journalists don't get paraded like that. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, that's different. If you when you capture and you kidnap right. civilians, that's not something that, that in itself is a statement. This is shooting down, a, getting and capturing right. the pilot and showing the world, in fact, that right. you did it. Because then obviously there could be denials, and if they, you know, you have a beheaded person, that this way you have the guy, his family making appeals for for and they will exploit every situation. For their benefit, and when if they find that it's in their interest, they'll have some mock trial, and they do away with it. Any downside to uh, full-page ads in the New York Times declaring the tolerance that Israel has for people compared to other countries in the Middle East? No, except that he's making the Times richer, and uh, <laughs> while they continue their horrific coverage of the Middle East, and I mean, really despicable. Um, uh, coverage, uh, it, it, it just doesn't change. It gets worse and worse. And we expected Betty from Ju- better from Judy Roderin and others, but each time we get the, the point in the end. I, I do want to point out, sure. I don't know if you saw, uh, Nahum, the comments, I thought heroic comments by the head of BBC Television. No. Uh, Danny Cohen, who went, who spoke at a conference in Arizona, he said he never felt so uncomfortable being a Jew in the UK as in the, in the United Kingdom as in the last 12 months. And uh, I think it was, uh, he he talked about a pretty grim uh, reality uh, and about uncertainties. Uh, He he cited the the murders in France and Belgium. This is a pretty remarkable 
statement from a guy who has to go back to the BBC, whose coverage is, is quite terrible. But if that doesn't tell you that I gave you some of the information on Europe before, and we could do it every week. We have updates, new information. You know, we see the BDS campaign and and uh, uh, the doubling the number of anti anti-Israel activities on the campuses in the last year, according to reports, and the um, you know the, the way is from from the demonstrations in Ferguson to events in, in cities across the country, the city council, student councils, the gearing up uh, of these activities, which I think we will see much more of and we are organizing for it as well uh, I think you know when when you see that it should be again a statement that has to be taken seriously could say that again finally Malcolm and it, it might be unfair for me to bring this up with you and you don't have to necessarily comment but I think we can agree that it's sad uh, when um, when well-known National Jewish organizations that focus on the young Jews in the United States uh, go ahead and openly drop a ban on interdating. I'm not judging people or telling people what they can or can't do, and we know we're in a free democratic country, but when they officially uh, drop it as a policy concern, um, I think one has to be disturbed. I haven't seen it, but but I do think that there's a general rule that you don't, the way to fight this is by assertive positive actions, by reaching out and facilitating uh, Jews to meet other Jews and marry Jews, to, to help with education, to increase our efforts to to uh, be helpful and to, to present Judaism in a positive way. And there are so many activities, and I've had the privilege of seeing some, some very creative programs, internships at very high levels where you get the elites, but we also have to think about the masses. Yep. The the need for more investment of funds in, in Jewish education, Jewish outreach, Jew, and and of all kinds. I believe you you need to give them a smorgasbord so that people find whatever will attract them back to Judaism, back to the Jewish community. Then they will find and, and then opportunities to really explore the beauty of Judaism, what Israel, what Judaism has to offer. And Israel is one means of doing it. But but we can't just shunt it to Israel and say, we're going to send the kids at 18 to Israel and in two weeks make them Jews when they've been ignored for, for 16 years. Well said, Mr. Holmline. You're welcome. Well said. I will join together in 2015 for another weekly update. God willing. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Online is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update Friday mornings here at JM in the AM. It's a Friday on this December 26th, the 4th of Teves, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash, candle lighting time at uh, 4.15 on this Erev Shabbos, 4.15 official candle lighting time. My thanks uh, to Randy and Mark and Leora and to Mayor Fertig. They'll be sitting in Monday through Wednesday of next week. I'm back Thursday on a Teves starting at 6 a.m. here at JM in the AM. And again, I thank them. Mazal Tov to the Mann family in Teaneck, Shari and Renown Mann. Uh, Yoni is uh, celebrating his bar mitzvah this Shabbos. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And to Aliza and Avi Lauer and the extended Lauer and Geffner families, uh, Jennifer and Josh are getting married this Sunday. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. I also wanted to uh, congratulate Rabbi Shmuel Plofker, 
Uh, Neddy called me earlier with a big Mazel Tov wish to Rabbi Shmuel Plafker. The Hebrew Free Burial Association is recognizing his incredible achievements. The event at a community breakfast, uh, the Young Israel of Staten Island, 9.30 in the morning this coming Sunday. Again, we congratulate Rabbi Plafker for his amazing work. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. And this week... Extra special for us, Rabbi Yudin addresses us from the state of Israel. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning to you, Nachum. Good morning, everybody. Good Erev Shabbos. For me, it's this afternoon, candle lighting here in Yerushalayim and in Beit Shemesh. Ramat Beit Shemesh is same time, 4.15. But it's so different. I tell you every time, Nachum, you feel the Erev Shabbos here in Eretz Yisrael, not just that all the stores close earlier, but that beautiful hustle and bustle in the streets. You can actually see and feel and sense the Erev Shabbos Kodesh. It was just Hanukkah several days ago, and in the Hallel we recited, Es Halech Lefnei Hashem Biartzot HaChayim, Literally, I want to walk before God in the land of the living. And the land of the living might certainly refer to the world to come, and others understand it refers to Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, I'd like to share with you an exciting piece of information, that Eretz Yisrael literally is Eretz HaChayim, the average life expectancy in Israel, Baruch Hashem, is on the rise. And... Namely, the men have an 80.3 years life expectancy and women 83.9, which you should know is an increase of five months for men and three months for women since the 2012 to 2013 census was taken. And I can only tell you that in the last 10 years, the life expectancy has risen in Eretz Yisrael 2.9 years for men and 2.4 years for women. Now, this is eighth place so far of the developed countries in terms of life expectancy. And interestingly, in terms of different polls, Eretz Yisrael ranked 11th happiest country in the world out of 115 countries. Just wait until Moshiach comes, but watch, we're getting ready for him. Who are we competing against? We're competing against Norway, Switzerland, Canada, Denmark, Japan, none of whom are surrounded by enemies that are trying to as we know, unfortunately, you know, annihilated. And still, look at the protective bubble that Baruch Hashem Eretz Yisrael has. So I'd like to begin by saying that tonight, when we are all going to recite the bracha, me seven hours before you, and then the bracha right before the Shemona Esrei tonight, HaPoreis, Sukas Shalom Oleinu, Take the bracha seriously. The Baruch Hashem, there's happiness. Baruch Hashem, there's life expectancy on the rise in Eretz Yisrael. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayigash. Parshas Vayigash is 
such an incredibly emotional parsha. It is the time that Yosef reveals himself and, once again, he tries his best to restore the achtus, the brotherhood between himself and his brothers. Yosef and Binyamin after 22 years. Yosef and his father after 22 years. And as well, it is the beginning of the Golos Mitzrayim with Yaakov and his family coming down to Mitzrayim. Torah tells us there are 70 souls. You'll count the number and count the number and what are you going to get? 69. So you're going to say, oh come on, almost 70. But the rabbis tell us so beautifully that Hashem says to Yaakov and he says to all of us, Anochi ereid imcham. I'm going down with you. Namely, I'm the 70th. And I'm coming up with you. And 210 years later, when we leave Mitzrayim, we left Meos, almost 600,000. That's correct. And who was the Mashlim who completed the number then? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He is with us in our times of challenge. At the end of the parasha, working backwards, when Yaakov meets Paro, interestingly... This is in chapter 47, Pesach 8 and 9. Paro asks Yaakov, How old are you? Kamo yimei shnei So Yaakov simply doesn't answer, I am 130 years of age. But he adds, Ma'at v'royim hayu yimei shnei He adds that, unfortunately, the years of my life were few and bad, and they did not compare to the life of my forefathers, right, and their sojourns in this world. And the Das Zekenim, Mibalia Tosvos, brings a Medrash that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was rather disappointed in Yaakov in his response. True, Yaakov had challenges in his life. Yes, he had the challenge of Esav, the challenge of Lavan, the challenge of Dina, the challenge of Yosef. But, says the Medrash, Hashem says to Yaakov, look here, I extricated you and saved you from all of these challenges. And therefore, you should not have responded the way you did. And moreover, asks Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, in his famous Sichos Musar, asks, wait a minute, the Medrash says that Yaakov lost 33 years because of his answer, but in order to get 33 words, it already starts with the question of Paro. Why is Yaakov punished for Yaakov's question, for Paro's question? And the answer that he gives so powerfully is that our panim, our face, is really not our own. Our panim reflects what's going on inside of us. And if we share a more cheerful countenance with others, it gives others a greater sense of optimism and a greater sense of happiness on life. And Yaakov was punished because he unfortunately, to use that expression, was carrying his emotion on his sleeve, but the emotion was not a powerful one. 
Now, when Yosef meets his brothers and identifies himself to his brothers, so there's no question that what does he say to them? He says in chapter 45, Pasuk 5, and now, don't you be sad and don't be angry that you sold me here. Because God has sent me as a provider to provide for you, to sustain for you. And then further, further on, it says, for the entire land and indeed the entire world. So basically, what is Yosef saying to his brothers? Is it simply, don't worry, fellas, all's well that ends well? It ended up, you might have meant bad, but look what happened. God meant well, and therefore, oh, no, I think there's much, something much deeper here. And that is as follows. Unfortunately, what the brothers did was wrong. And according to Rabbeinu Bachaya, in his commentary, Yosef never forgave the brothers. We don't find Mechila on Yosef's part. And that's why he says, unfortunately, there is that strong connection between the Asura Ruge Malchus, the ten Sadikim that were taken from us in Roman times, and the punishment of what the ten brothers did. They did something wrong, and it was bad. But the parasha is teaching us a very powerful lesson, that within the challenges of life, within the difficulties, one is always to see that silver lining. One is always to see that wink of God. One is always to realize that even under the most difficult and challenging times, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there with us. We might not see it. We might not understand it. Certainly not at the moment that we're going through challenges and difficult times. Sometimes later on in our life and sometimes not even in our lifetime. It's only in our children and their children's lifetime. But this is the concept that when in Parshas Kisisa, Moshe says to God, Harini no es kodecha, I want to understand you, God. But he says, I want to see you. And to see you there means I want to understand. And we know that God has no body. So what is he looking for? He's looking to understand, says the Gemara in the first chapter of Brachos, Tzadik Veralo, why righteous people suffer, why Russia Vitovlo, why good people prosper. And God says, oh no, you can't see me. I will put you in the rock. You'll see my back and not my front. What's going on here? God has no back and no front. But the rabbis understand it to mean that you won't see me and understand me while it's happening. But you'll be able to see God in the footprints on the sands of history. And so this coming Thursday is Asura Beteves. And you should know that the uh, chief rabbinate of Israel years ago designated Asura Beteves as the day that those who lost family in the Shoah and unfortunately do not know the day of the Yartzeit, the day to say Kaddish, many, many, many took as they directed Asura Beteves this coming Thursday as the day of remembrance for these, you know, Holocaust 
uh, Kedoshim, uh, who passed away, you know, in the Shoah. And in their memory, and to teach this concept of being able to see that silver lining, to see the wink of God, even in the most trying of times, I want to share with you an incredible true story, and the story of two very special heroic Jews, Rudolf Verba and Alfred Wetzler, who were sent to Auschwitz in the early part of the war, and they were capable young men, and the Germans understood this, and basically they became statisticians for the German. And they amassed and remembered a great deal of exact information because the Germans, that was their nature. And so they knew how many came in and unfortunately how many were being killed. And at this point, the world did not know. And they were committed to escaping from Auschwitz. How in the world can you do so when there is the inner ring of the guards and the outer ring, which is there, and the barbed wire. There's no way that you can get out alive. They did. How? So listen carefully now. They were going to build, or they were building at that time, a barracks for Hungarian Jews that were going to come. And there were big piles of planks that were going to be used for these barracks. So the planks were being moved to the place where the barracks were being built, and they had a brilliant idea. They bribed two prisoners to, when they put the boards and set them up for the building of the new barracks, they left a hollow space inside where two men could hide, and five layers of these heavy boards, each layer 15 centimeters thick, was put above them. They went inside. And listen carefully. So when the roll call came and it was noticed that they were missing and the guards naturally came all around with the dogs and they had learned an interesting patent that if one takes Russian tobacco, soaks it in oil, dries it, and spreads it around, it confounds the sense of smell of the dogs and repels them. And so they were for a day and a half, and everybody was looking for them. Two German prisoners were walking by, and they said, they've got to be in the camp. Maybe they're hiding here. And they started to peel away the layers, the first layer, the second layer, the third layer, the fourth layer. There's one layer, 15 centimeters thick between Alfred Wetzler and Rudolf Verba and the Germans that are looking for them. They had the knives in their hands. They realized that them at least killed two Germans and they pictured themselves as being tortured when they're found and hung literally and killed. And so what happened just at that moment, there was an alarm and there was confusion down at the other end of the camp, and everybody was yelling, we caught them, we caught them. And they never came back. And what happened? They waited another night. And by then, 
the rules was after three days, if the men were not found, they were thought to either have been killed somehow in the camp or out of the camp, but certainly not there. And so they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and they couldn't move that one layer. They were so exhausted and so malnourished and so weak. And so finally, with the last bit of energy, they couldn't remove the lift. They slid away that top layer in darkness, and they looked at each other, and they said, Thank you, Hashem. Had the Germans not removed the outer top four layers, they never would have been done it. These two men got out, and as a result, they blew the whistle. As a result, pressure was put on the Hungarian government and from the one million Hungarian Jews that were supposed to be uh, killed, only 400,000 were. The ability to see, even in the most challenging and difficult of times, Asar Beteves says, Yavudraham, if it would fall on a Shabbos, we would have to fast even on a Shabbos. Why? Explains the Hassam Sofer, because on this day, Hashem judges each and every year, will the Beis HaMikdash be rebuilt again? In Golos, God gives us that silver lining. When we fast this coming Thursday, there is that chance. If we do ours, please God, this coming Tisha B'Av is not going to be a fast day. It's going to be a holiday. Shabbat Shalom to all. Give
Brand new from Zusha here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas, Vayigash, candle lighting at 4.15 later on. My thanks to Randy, Mark, Leora, and Mayor Fertig. They're going to be sitting in over the next few days. I'll be back Thursday on the 1st of January. Asar Bateves here at JM in the AM. Don't forget Naomi Nachman follows in 15 minutes with a brand new edition of Table for Two. And not only is it brand new, it's live from Gourmet Glot in Cedarhurst, Spruce Street in Cedarhurst. You should head on over if you have a day off today, and a lot of people do. Head on over and uh, see Naomi live. Table for two with food and wine tastings, a cooking demo, uh, food sample giveaways. Jay Booksbaum, Malky Hirsch, Nate Crewman, Seth Levitt, all among the guests. Eitan Bernath, the Chopped Kid Chef, is going to be doing a demonstration. He's great. Uh, it's all happening today between 9 and 10.30, right after JM and the AM. You can hear it on jmtheam.org. You can see the whole thing on the homepage of nachomsegel.com. Simple as that. So enjoy. And the regards to Naomi. She'll be there between 9 and 10.30 at Gourmet Glot in Cedarhurst. Make sure to get a uh, good helping of samples and send her our very best. Elder Care, presented by Achiezer, happens this Sunday night at the LaGuardia Plaza Hotel uh, in um, Queens in East Elmhurst, New York, on Ditmars Boulevard. Go to achiezer.org slash eldercare for information about all the topics that will be covered and about all the different uh, vendors that are going to be attending. It's achiezer.org slash eldercare. If you're caring for an elderly parent, it's an, an essential and amazing get-together this coming Sunday. Uh program will begin at 6 p.m. It's achiezer.org slash eldercare. We had Rabbi Bender on earlier in the week to discuss the importance of that event. JM and the AM, more coming up. This is uh, from this week's Parsha, I believe. Ellie Schwebel at JM and the AM. I've shed my tears Through the darkest years But the journey is still on my mind This was my fate My bones in the prison of time And fortune came Like a dream one day I finally learned how to smile Am I still my sweet father's child? Yes, I've been alone I've been afraid I've been locked up and thrown away But now I am free Say, what do you really mean? 
שלום, מלאך עליון, היא מלך מלכם, מלאכים, הקדוש ברוך Shav Band with Shalom Aleichem and Tzeischem with Shalom. Before that, Eli Schwebel with Ani Yosef. JMNAM Friday morning with candle lighting at 4.15. Naomi Nachman, brand new edition of the Table for Two program, coming to you live from Gourmet Glot in just a couple of minutes. Hear the whole thing at jmnam.org. See the whole thing at nachomsegel.com. Candle lighting at 4.15. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. So throw away your hammer 
say good job Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. I want to wish good luck to Hafter and Flatbush. They'll be playing at the Barclays Center on Sunday night. Good luck with that. A Mazel Tov. To um, Rabbi Andi and Rifka Yudin. They had a brand new baby boy, and I believe that Rabbi Yudin is at the uh, Shlom Zachar taking place tonight in Ramat Beit Shemesh. So Mazal Tov to the extended Yudin families from all of us here at JM and the AM. And I want to thank uh, uh, Matis and the entire JM and the AM staff. They'll be taking, uh, taking over for me until Thursday. I am back on Thursday 
Sarah Bateves, uh, January 1st here at JM and the AM. And a special thank you to Miriam L. Wallach um, for all of her hard work to make sure that uh, everything is set for next week as well. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Uh, till next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.